Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. What's up, everyone? How are you today? So good to be back on the Dentists Who Invest podcast, episode number 45 we're on. We're creeping up to the half century. I'm going to have to think about something special to commemorate that. All ideas and suggestions welcome on that front because I really don't have any sort of plan formulated as to what we might do when we get to 50, but I'm very excited. Also, we're also reaching a bit of a landmark with group members too because we're currently on 4.7 and 5 is a nice round number, which I think is cause for celebration. Again, any suggestions welcome as to what we might do to commemorate that. I actually have a very good idea uh, with regards to a special guest that we might get on, but I'm always willing. I've always got my ears open, willing. Uh, I've got my ears open to suggestions. Willing ears open to suggestions is what I was trying to say. So feel free to throw those ideas at me too. We are continuing side gigs month with a, another special dentist who has started her side gig, a very well known dentist as well, which we'll come on to in just a minute. I would love to hear if Dentists Who Invest Side Gigs Month has inspired anybody out there to start their own side gigs. I'd love to hear your stories. Please share them with me because that was the aim of the month after all. So please reach out to me if that is the case because that was the whole point. And wow, what an amazing, incredible thing to go through and what a life-enhancing thing it's been for me. So yeah, please, by all means, reach out if that has been something that has applied to you and encouraged you to do to create your own side gig rather so back to the matter at hand we welcome dr sheila lai today who has a wonderful facial aesthetics business to talk about her experiences why she loves facial aesthetics and taking that big bad leap into the world of starting her own business sheila how are you today Hi, James. Um, thanks for the little introduction. Yeah, I'm really well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. My absolute pleasure, Sheila. Sheila, where are you speaking to us from? Where in the world do you reside? I'm in London at the moment. So um, I'm not from London. Um, I'm from Birmingham, um, but currently living in London since I graduated. I see. Wonderful. And it's my absolute pleasure to have you on today as someone extremely qualified in the side gigs world, because I was just saying to Sheila off camera, before I did Dentists Who Invest, before I did anything with regards to social media, I knew Sheila Lai and I knew Sheila Lai as the dentist who did facial aesthetics. So you're doing something right in terms of your, your marketing or your branding, Sheila, and that's great. And that really shows me how much your business has grown and flourished. And I really think that you'll have some amazing lessons to share for people who are interested in starting your own side gig, their own side gig. And I'm sure lots of people recognize Sheila as well. So a compliment <laughs> for you there, Sheila, a compliment. Thanks, James. I mean, I don't think of myself like that, but that's always really nice to hear, obviously. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think, I mean, I, it's not, it's probably the copious amounts of videos on Instagram. And uh, I think we're, 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 we live, we're living in such a visual world now that everything is online. And, you know, I do spend a good chunk of my, my working I guess I, I sign my a good chunk of my working week to social media, which is such an important um, part of marketing now in, in in our field, in dentistry, in facial aesthetics, and all the things that we do. So, so I think probably that's it. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I'm well known for sure. <laughs> oh, okay. I think a few people listening would contradict you there, but it's a good thing. Oh, it's okay. a good thing. It means that you're out in a bite. But actually, Sheila, now that you mention it, I feel like that might be an interesting thing to talk about later. Because a lot of people see the videos on social media, they see the TikToks, they see the, the stories, they see all of those things. 
And maybe they don't think to themselves, actually, what does that look like behind the scenes? Mm. What is the pragmatic process? Do I have to set aside time to create content on social media or is it something organic? And it's a little bit of both for me personally, but I'm curious to hear your relationship about it. That is something that we'll talk about in just a minute. First of all, Sheila, we know that you're a dentist. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your journey into dentistry, even before we get onto the whole facial aesthetic yeah. side of things? Okay, so um, I studied, uh, I, I went to study dentistry at King's um, back when. I mean, I graduated seven, oh, coming up seven years now, and dentistry was my second degree. Um, I did it as a graduate uh, at King's, and um, I just, I thought I wanted to do, I, I thought I wanted a career in, in cancer research, actually. I uh, did, a, did a degree in biomedical sciences, spent about half a year just doing some cancer sort of research work, work based in the lab. I just realized that it wasn't for me. I did a little bit of traveling and soul searching. And then I thought that I wanted to do medicine. I mean, originally I thought I wanted to be a heart surgeon um, and did a little bit of traveling, came back, did a little bit of work experience, did a lot of uh, work experience at various like general practices and then in dental practice. And I, I met this chap um, in, I believe it was in Leicester and he took me into his surgery and he was doing a lot of like, um, if I remember correctly, he was doing a gum lift. He was treating a gummy smile, but via a surgical, a, a surgical procedure. And he talked about the business of dentistry and he talked about the science of dentistry. He was so passionate about it. And I thought, you know what, I could do this. I really would love like my own business. And I do, I am pretty good naturally at science. So I thought I'll go in and I'll explore. So I, I, I went to King's um, and studied dentistry and it was diff- it's different when you, it's your second degree like your first degree was it's not really I mean my first degree wasn't really a degree it was a very expensive three years my second <laughs> degree was really it was a lot more expensive um, but I really I really loved it I really wanted to do it I really wanted to get good at it um, and you know well before even graduating I was already investing in courses I was paying to go on composite courses I was paying to do lots of different things I was quite I, I was involved with the, the BACD actually from from a young from a young from young in my career, um, and did a lot sort of extracurricular beyond that because I was just really interested in 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 going out and getting started straight away. So um, that was when I then then when I graduated, I in my final year, I actually my very best friend she is a doctor, and she did dentistry as her second degree because she wanted to get into MaxFacts and she was using facial aesthetics to actually um, get herself through dental school and she was running a, a training academy in facial aesthetics and I came on mostly because I wanted to help her build the business I, I was I did a little bit of marketing in I dabbled in marketing I dabbled in like experiential marketing before work before starting my degree in dentistry um, I knew a little bit about business I knew a bit about advertising and you know stuff about websites SEO and that sort of thing so I was like I'm going to help her like make this profitable because she just wanted to ethically train dentists uh, not not dentists just anybody in aesthetic but she wanted to, to ethically train them make sure they're really really good and she wasn't really making any money in, in this and I was just like you know what you've got such an amazing course like you need to be making money so I came into it not interested in the facial aesthetic side of things just wanting to help her her make her, her business profitable so and then I was there on every even though I was I was in there for business perspective I was there every single lecture she gave and I that, that some of this stuff just stuck into my head and, and then I thought you know what I can do this I can inject a face it looks quite straightforward um and she really believed in me she really thought I had an ivory I mean I just I didn't I didn't I was really nervous self-conscious about it but she was a great mentor to me. Um, and so in my final year, I was already trained in facial aesthetics and, and, and I was actually injecting under, under, you know, under her mentorship. Because as we know, it's a really unregulated industry and anyone, anyone can inject um, filler or Botox. Uh, you just, uh, you have to be prescribed Botox, but once you get, can get your hand on it, any, anyone can inject it. So I was injecting in my final year as a dental student. And then in my VT year, I was really lucky to be in a practice that was really supportive of the fact that I I knew a bit of facial aesthetics and, and I was injecting. Um, so I 
I don't think you're allowed to inject now, actually. I think they make it a thing that you're not able to do any facial aesthetics. But when I was doing uh, DF1, you were able to do it as a side thing. So I was seeing private patients for facial aesthetics for my principal. I mean, I didn't earn any money from it, but, you know, I, I was making I was making them money. And and there started the career, I guess. And so from from a very from very early on, I was doing that and I was juggling that with dentistry as well. And I, I was, I, I, composite was my thing. I absolutely loved working with composite and I loved working with, um, with, uh, just, just doing composite day in, day out. And, you know, I was trying to get really good at that as well. And at the same time doing, doing facial aesthetics. So that was how it started. It all really started. And I, I get that actually, I, I probably didn't even answer your question. I totally went off on a tangent and I, <laughs> No, no, you totally did. No, it was great. It was, you answered the question and then some more, which was brilliant because everybody learned a little bit more about you and your journey into facial aesthetics, which it just so happens was a very organic one from what you've described. It just kind of happened. And then you realize at some point that this was your calling, your passion, or was it more so that you were gravitating away from dentistry or was it a combination of both? It was really difficult for me, um, I would say, early on, because I was I loved dentistry. I loved cutting teeth. I loved creating um, composite build. I loved doing composite build ups. And, and, and I was obsessed with teeth. I was obsessed with anatomy. Um, and I was just re- and, 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 and I would like to say that I was naturally very good at dentistry, but I was also naturally very good at facial aesthetics. Um, and my time was just getting split early on, very, very early on. And I remember actually my 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 foundation, my, my DF1 trainer, he said to me, he was just like, I bet in, in, in three years, you know, you're not going to be doing any, uh, in, in five years, you're not going to be doing any in dentistry. I guarantee you, you'll just be doing facial aesthetics. And that broke my heart. Like I literally was beside myself that he thought that would be the case. Like, like it wasn't so obvious that I was so obviously passionate about dentistry and like I was so good at it. I, and, and also I was like, that's never going to be the case. And you know what? I actually, it probably would happen a lot earlier, but I dragged it on for an extra, at least an extra <laughs> two years just to prove a point. And um, when I come to think about it, it probably would have happened a lot earlier. Um, I finally made the decision after the pandemic, after I had my second daughter and then the pandemic hit that I wouldn't go back into dentistry and I'd go go into facial aesthetics full time. But it, it initially started out as just being something on the side and I did it. I did it really well. And I was selling facial aesthetics with private dental treatment uh, to my patients. And then that naturally meant that I was just doing more private dentistry anyway. Um, quite early on. I was working in a mixed practice doing more facial aesthetics. I wasn't meeting my UDAs. I found it harder. And I mean, I couldn't sustain that. So after 18 months having done my foundation year I went straight into private dentistry completely which is insane to think that actually but I did and then was doing more and more facial aesthetics um and as it went the more I was doing the less dentistry I was doing and then in the last I would say in the last three years I was doing a half day a week and really crazy stuff a half day a week I was doing like full-on like composites like composite makeovers and, and things. And I was just like, what am I doing? I'm going to get sued. Like I'm not doing this enough to be able to do this sort of thing consistently. And I had an amazing, like um, Chris or was my mentor and he was incredible. And I, I just, I found it so hard to walk away from something that so many people wanted that I had. I honestly found it so difficult to, 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 to give up that. Like, and that was the thing that I held, I held on for the longest time actually, because he was mentoring me and he was like getting me to do these awesome, like we were case planning these incredible cases. And, and he really believed in me. Um, both Zainab and Chris really believed in me and it was incredible to have that, but, and to then also not really want it now that I had it. And I guess, I guess I kept it for an ego thing. And then, yeah. And then the pandemic hit and I was supposed to go back after the pand- after my maternity leave with my second daughter I was meant to go back and I, I didn't, I didn't because actually my facial aesthetics was just paying for a dent for dentistry. I was doing dentistry as a hobby. Um, and I truly was doing it as a hobby. It was costing me so much money doing the additional CPD, like going on extra courses, even though like I wasn't really earning very much from it. And, you know, that, that almost neutralized what I was earning the course of, as you know, the cost of dental courses so much. 
um, facial aesthetics was paying for my dentistry as a hobby. And it was cool to say that for a while. But then my husband was like, come on, babe, what are you doing? Like, we've got a family, like, you know, what are you doing? So I was just like, yeah, no, I, I, I was being a bit selfish. Um, so yeah, I gave it up and it was one of the hardest decisions I had to make. Um, but I'm relieved actually, because it's freed up more of my time and I can focus and, and concentrate. And in that time I was able to launch training academy. So yeah, it swings and roundabouts, I guess they say. Awesome. So again, a bit of an organic move really. Well, you know what, a great dilemma to have because for one people, for, for lots of people, it might be one or the other, but it seemed to me like you really, you could have went down either avenue. So you must have a great pair of hands is all I can say. There'll be lots of people listening to this, Sheila. Facial aesthetics is something that a lot of young dentists, it's kind of like the carrot is dangled in front of them and they're very interested in doing it. Real quick, guys, I've put together a special report for dentists entitled The Seven Costly and Potentially Disastrous Mistakes That Dentists Make Whenever It Comes to Their Finances. Most of the time, dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened. And that is the purpose of this report. You can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to www.dentistuinvest.com forward slash podcast report. Or alternatively, you can download it using the link in the description. This report details these seven most common issues. However, most importantly, it also shows you how to fix them. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. And and that and that and I would say um, ortho. And or yeah, uh, well, like, 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 like clear aligners, line. clear aligners, maybe. Aligners, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. We either kind of do facial aesthetics, or you do clear liners to kind of and I think it's the I would I don't I mean I for me I, I maybe it was a, a way for me to bolster my CV so that I could get into private dentistry I that's the that was my main reason to do it to begin with because I knew that I wanted to be in private dentistry I was always I honestly I really hate I hated working in that gray of in you know when you're in a mixed practice and you know you've got to sell private treatment but you've got the NHS contract and you were saying things that was very gray and I just never I, I first of all I was a complete loss make maker like I never I did all the private stuff that I was supposed to do but for my NHS patients so that was not good for obviously for my principles uh first and foremost but then I just hated working in that gray like I couldn't do it I couldn't like I couldn't it just it, I felt conflicted so for me facial aesthetics was my way to get into private dentistry and it just happened to be that I was really good at it so um but you're right yeah it is one of those things that I guess younger dentists kind of think do I do it do I not don't don't I do it and you can't really dabble in it I would say because you you're messing with people's faces you know you can't really just do a little bit of it of it but there is a massive element of it that you can do that's really relevant to dentistry and I I truly believe this like there is a lot of stuff that I, I I still work in dental practice I still work at uh the practice that I'm in doing solely facial aesthetics as part of the wider restorative team and I do a lot of gummy smile treatments I do a lot of um parafunction bruxism and we do a lot of diagnosis and you know I work together with the team to do those things um and you know when we're doing full smile um smile design and smile makeovers my, my facial aesthetics is very part of that treatment plan for our patients and it's really good to be one part of the team and just doing like your bit as an overall plan for the patient and really getting it right so you know when that final picture goes up you're like I'm not looking at it thinking yeah but they could have dropped that lip a little bit that everything is there the lips drop the lips full uh, um you know it's everything looks nice and balanced the the veneers are in or you know the composite bonding's great the alignment's perfect everything is great and to, to do your bit as part of that wider team that's really cool and I love that so it is it does seem to be like a whole topic itself in if you want to really go into it but there is an element that I do think and I get I get a lot of referrals in now for gummy smiles and I just think this is so easy like I really dentists need to be doing this it's just you know we're injecting local anesthetic every single day it's one injection it's not even as complex as injecting local not to make it sound trivial but you know it's it's so straightforward we inject local anesthetic every day having a little bit of um a little bit of Botox just to drop the smile 
you know, it doesn't need to be something that you're referring to me for, uh, you know, even with um, masseters, like it doesn't need to be, you know, we can, if we can diagnose it, we can absolutely treat it. So I, I really do believe that more dentists need to be doing it as over as part of their overall treatment plan. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, they have to treat lines and wrinkles and, you know, give people massive lips. Like, I'm not saying that at all, but there are definite dental elements that dentists are really suited for. And, I, and when we do the training, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent again, but when I do the training, I train a lot of doctors, dentists and nurses, the dentists, I'm sorry, but they're the better ones. Like they're really skilled with their hands. They work in such a small space. And so, and, and especially the cosmetic dentists that obviously do a lot of smile design, like they see the face completely different to, you know, our nurse colleagues and our, our medics, um, unless I'm training a plastic surgeon. Again, that's slightly different, but yeah, it, it's such a fantastic add-on as a treatment and, you know, a great income earner as a side, as a side treatment. I mean, I earn the same in a day as I did working, you know, three, four days as a dentist. It's, it's, it's nuts. And that's, and, and, you know, what was hard for me was when I was trying to convince the patient to have an onlay and, you know, the cost of an onlay, what, 1200 pounds, and they were umming and ahhing and, you know, this same patient who I would, I was saying, you know, um, two syringes of fillers going to cost you 800 pounds. And, you know, you have to see me again in nine to 12 months. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely fine. But the onlay, Mm, I'm not sure like you know I have to think about it it's just patient psychology just the way they think about things just nuts and I got it was just so much more fun to sell two tubes of filler for 800 pounds versus an onlay that's going to last you 10 to 15 years and you're really having to think about it and me having to like go down through every like pro and con and here I'm like well I can put two mils of filler in your face and make you look better and make you feel a bit more confident and they were snapping my basically biting my hands off so, but that doing that made me so much more confident about, about then talking about veneers and onlays and saying, you know what, it's only 1200 pounds and this is going to last you 10 years, up to 15 years, you know, if not longer. Um, and, you know, these are veneers, it's, you know, you're probably never going to need to do this more than once if you look after your teeth. And then that really made me better at prescribing, I, mean, I hate the word sell, selling, prescribing dental, private dental treatment, like cosmetic treatments for patients. And, and yeah, and then that's why I was doing more bigger plans, but on less days of working as dentists. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to get sued. Like, I'm just going to get sued. I'm not doing it enough. Um, so I stopped, obviously. It was the better thing to do. I just couldn't, I couldn't maintain that amount of extra sort of side work for the two of the two things. And that's what it boiled down to for me. That's great. Well, yeah, that's, you kind of anticipated my question, really, because where I was going with that was that I wanted to ask, is there a certain sort of foundation dentist or younger dentist or dentist of any age group really that fits the bill of a profile of someone who should be a facial aesthetics practitioner? But really you've answered that because you've said that it can fit in to any dentist's every, you, you know, the way you spoke about it then was it would be useful for every dentist to know this really. So mm. it's not tied down to one specific demographic or individual, et cetera. Cause that was always something that confused me about facial aesthetics. I always thought to myself, should I only really think about it if I want to be the ABB dentist or the dentist who's doing yeah. veneers and the more aesthetic things, but it fits in anywhere. That's awesome. So that's great. We are obviously in side gigs month, so we must talk about side gigs and business and taking yeah. that leap. For you, it was very much an organic thing by the sounds yeah. of it. It just kind of happened, really. And I think that's nice to hear because a lot of people who are thinking about creating their own side gig think to themselves, well, I'm either in or I'm out, but it doesn't have to be that way. It can be something no, it, that you can phase in. You can try it out for a little while. You can sacrifice a little bit of clinic time, providing that you don't need the money to do something else entirely that might break up your week. And if that's a side gig that you do for pleasure or you do for business, then both of those things are fine. It's such a life enhancing thing. And really, with regards to it being a business, you must know if you enjoy it, first of all. And the only real way that you'll learn that you're going to enjoy something is by taking some time to do it. Taking the time to do it to learn if you'll enjoy it and also to learn if it's something that you're passionate about, something that you're skilled at. And then should it flourish into something special like it has done for Sheila, then that's an amazing thing. So there never was really that one scary moment for you, Sheila, where you had to 
you felt like you were leaping off a cliff or you were taking the plunge as such? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think of, I, to a certain degree, I don't think of myself as too much of a risk taker. I quite like a little bit of managed risk. And for me, it was always as it was growing more my facial aesthetics, I was naturally starting to do less dentistry. And as I did less dentistry, I was doing more facial aesthetics and I was just increasing my days and decreasing you know, and decreasing where it needed to be, um, or sort of analyzing, you know, what, what is my workflow like? What, you know, what, what do I want to do? You know, and how, how do I go about doing this? And, you know, I guess I didn't make that complete leap over to, to facial aesthetics, or even now when I'm trying to decide whether I want to make that complete leap into just training a lot more, you know, it's still, it's still taking, I, I you know, I add and take away from the, the, the least, the least enjoyable or I guess the least profitable because ultimately for me it's it isn't about money but when you have a family you kind of have to be the most productive you can and that means in terms of income as well with the time that you have when you're assigning that to your work part of your life and I don't want my work life to be as much as I'd actually you know pre-kids I'd happily have it seven days a week 24 hours a day but when children come into the the plan it just becomes like your priorities change and I still love every aspect of dentistry and facial aesthetics like I really do but I also love being a mum and I, I want to be present I want to be there and you know it obviously helps that I have a husband who really allows me to do all those work and business related things and still yet get to come home and be glory mum but you know I still want to be there more and when you have to kind of look at your life like that you do have to take things that either bring you joy or give you an income um, so that you can spend more time at home. And so for me, I did start taking out dentistry because I I, I guess if I didn't have kids, I, I probably would have carried on for as long as I could do, but I do. And so, you know, you have to make these decisions eventually and it's the right thing to do because how that's how you grow and that's how you progress. And so that's how, how I did it. But you're right. I think I think you'll either leap into something like blindly and you'll do really well. I mean, I, there's, there's definitely a... Uh, a, 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 a cause for that because then if you completely drop what what makes you money and, and and jump into what is a hobby then you have to make it work right you can't there's no doubt about it like and you probably will be really successful you're brave enough to do that and if you are like I'd encourage it because you will really make it work but if you're not doing it this way totally works as well I mean it, it's allowed me to do it for the best part of four and a half years I think the biggest thing that I needed to hear for a long time and maybe there'll be some people listening to this podcast who could this will resonate with or this will help really for me when we were talking about money just a second ago I spent a lot of time just trying to make as much money as I possibly could and what an unhealthy mindset because there's no upper limit to that providing that you have enough to live on and enough to save then after that, there is a little bit of leeway or scope for you to do something interesting or something outside of dentistry or something that can be a side gig or something that can be another a complete other entire hobby or dimension of your life. But that sounds so obvious, but I didn't know that for so long. And I used to spend, I used to work in clinics six days and I look back on that and I think, you know, there was so much time. If you have the, if you have the drive and the passion that spare time outside of work, you can do amazing things with that. You can try out so many other things that can enhance your life and potentially be business avenues, business ventures, etc. And it's almost like you choose certainty because you know it's comfortable. Whereas the only really the only place that some really exciting stuff happen is when you choose a little bit of uncertainty too. So it's maybe just about purposefully searching out a little bit of uncertainty and seeing what transpires, seeing what magic can happen and too much certainty. Certainty is good to a degree. Certainty is what puts food in the fridge, food on the table, you know, keeps the lights on in the house, doesn't it really? Because certainty is having an income every month, but it's good to have a balance is what I'm saying. And I wish I could somehow send those words back to, a younger version of myself because I really, really, really needed to hear it. And it just so happens for me that that leap into uncertainty has been amazing. I now obviously run Dentists Who Invest and that's become a whole 
source of revenue from itself, even learning about crypto. That was one of the best decisions that I ever made. That's a source of revenue for me as well. And both of those things were me thinking to myself, actually, what if I just do something entirely different? Don't learn about dentistry, choose uncertainty and see what happens. That's where the magic begins. But unfortunately, certainty is too big a driver for well, my past self and for a lot of people. And I think that that hearing that will help a lot of people. What do you think on that one, Sheila? I mean, I agree. I I mean, I think, I think it is also circumstantial as well. I mean, if you know, you have a family, of course you can't, it's not always easy to choose uncertainty, but I do think we should definitely choose growth. And, you know, there are people out there who, you know, we, you know, we start off being quite passionate about dentistry and, it's hard. It's a really tough career choice with the notes that we have to write, with the threat of litigation all the time. Like it, cause it can, you can, you can see why people become dispassionate about it, and you get into a slog of, you know, coming in either doing your UDAs or hitting, you know, your your, your targets, your sliding scale targets, or whatever it is you're doing, and uh, and you, you almost, and at the beginning of the career, your career, you know, you're really wanting to grow. You you go in on courses, and then eventually you get into this sort of slog of things and you know, you, you're just going in doing it. And, and, and actually I would say, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a side gig, like choose to then grow a particular skill set within dentistry, just to reignite your passion within dentistry so that you can enjoy it more because we spend so much of our time working that it's just a shame to not love it. Like, and if you don't love it, absolutely. Yeah. Take that, that leap and go and do something uncertain and, and find a different joy because we just, we've spent too much time working to be able to hate, to hate what you do. And it's just all to be scared of being sued all the time. I think something that's really valuable and something that's very non-committal and that doesn't really make you decide that you have to either leave your job or pursue something else on the side immediately the, at the point that you do it is to create an online presence or to create a social media platform which shares with the world what you like or an alter ego pardon or an alter ego pretend to be someone else for a while well yes i'm uh james martin by day and batman by night (laughs) real identity of batman was it's me but yes that's another story um but yeah the thing about having a social media identity the thing about having a social media presence is you can do it you can grow it just when you have some free time you can do it around your job you can learn more about what it is that you're passionate about. You can connect with other people who enjoy what you enjoy. You begin to be better at whatever that skill is because of the spread of knowledge between you and the people who follow you on that social media platform. And that's the side of social media that people don't often hear. People hear about the negative side, the fake news, whatever, all of that stuff. But that's the side of social media that I honestly think needs a huge PR change and is something that I had no idea about until I did it myself. So if there's anybody out there who does have a passion or an interest in something, start a following, aim it at a demographic that you know that you can relate to and that can relate to you. So for lots of people, that would be dentists. And you know what? If it doesn't take off, it doesn't take off. And at the very least, it'll be therapeutic for you to share your journey, to share what you're interested in. There's always something to be gained from that, even if it doesn't necessarily flourish into this massive channel that has thousands of followers. I just think it's an incredibly worthy thing. And if it does become something special, then it does. And if it doesn't, well, it's not like you've ventured anything. It's not like you've staked anything, maybe a little bit of time. So just something to think about, just something to think about if you do have something that you're passionate about. Sheila, we did want to talk about your social media presence did you find it really hard to put videos out at the start or was that something that you took to like a duck to water was that something that you were really happy about from the beginning you know what like going back to that point before I answer that question about what you were saying about social media and putting yourself out there mm-hmm. I know what it's like I mean I'm, I'm quite a self-conscious person and I whatever I put out there I never watch back because I would literally pick it apart every single time And the first thing you have to do is just train yourself not to do that. And actually, what I would say is that most people don't care about the things that you're picking apart. 
with regards to what you're putting out there. But the one thing that social media did for me was made me more accountable to myself. And so, but the more that I was trying to make myself into an expert, the more I was becoming an expert just naturally at the there field. There you go. That well, that's, that's brilliant. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you, you learn when you teach. Yeah, absolutely. And you are, you're either you're teaching it to patients or you're trying to teach to other dentists, you're doing something. And the whole point of creating content is because you know something, you want to give it to somebody else, you know, and, and, and there's nothing to be self-conscious about that. And to answer your question, when I first posted my, I mean, even now to a certain, like there'll be days where I'm just like, oh, I can't do that. Like, I don't feel like I'm in the mood. I have to get kind of right in the right mind space to be able to create a video. Um, And in, I would say in the first, the first couple of maybe the first few months I was doing it, I was sitting there and I was tweaking the videos. I was editing it. I was recording, you know, a two minute video would take me an hour and a half to record uh, because I'd want to get it right and perfectly like said on, on camera um, without any ums, ahs, uhs, buts, and uh, any of those things. And, um, and I would just, it, it, it would break me because I'd spend so much time and I put it and then no one would even watch it. Like maybe one, <laughs> maybe, maybe like my mum or my sister or they'd go on their comment and be like, yeah, you did really well. I really like them. I'm like, oh, okay. But you know what? Like, and I go back to those videos and I quite like them. I quite like how, how, like how like self-conscious I was in them. And, but the, what I would say is actually just put lots of them out there. Just keep doing it, keep doing it. And, to you, and then naturally you just get, better at it and I wouldn't say that I'm great at it I just don't care anymore I just I just do it because you know this is what I want to say I'm going to say if you want to listen you listen if you don't you you know that's fine like just scroll past um and don't be self-conscious about it because there are people that are going to want to listen even if it's not an educational video if it's an experience like actually most of my videos that get the most listens and the most the the, the most interaction are the ones where I talk about my, my, my experiences as being a mum, like how difficult it is to 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 be really good at what you do, but also to really want to be to be present and be a mum. And you know, my my experience of, of of trying to raise children or or trying to breastfeed, all of those things, I actually get a lot more um I get a lot more interaction with those. And I think that's because it makes me a little bit more approachable and human. And and I would say do those things and 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 be yourself. And it was only through social media that actually I was able to grow myself and 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 to 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 grow better in doing that and it's a great platform you, you kind of have to be on social media now I would say that it's really difficult to build a career even and, and this doesn't just mean Instagram it's it's LinkedIn it's everything it's LinkedIn it's it, it's 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 Instagram it's Facebook it's TikTok or, or whatever it is the next cool thing is you know um it is at the moment you you just have to be because this is our world now you know it's digital that's how how people respond and they want to see more of you. They want to see more about who it is that's injecting their face, who it is that's drilling their teeth. That's what patients want. And, you know, when I'm training other people, they want to see what I'm like on a day-to-day basis. They want to be able to be able to see that they can relate to me. So therefore they do want me to train them or they want me to mentor them or, or want to go on the course that I'm training in. And that's really important because you build relationships that way. So I think social media is really important. I think that everybody, you need to get out there. You need to just get started with it and get started with it early when nobody knows you because then you can muck it up as much as you like um, and then <laughs> save those ones. Save those ones for the um, for when you're feeling a bit low and you just need, you want to laugh at yourself a little bit. <laughs> That's a good point. So, did you not, did you get that as well? Or were you just, were you just great at just being on camera? You must've, it must've been, I, I reckon it's the same for everybody. No, I was terrible. I was so self-conscious. And those first few videos, I used to, uh, well, I'll, I can say this now because it doesn't bother me any longer. But at the start, I used to um and ah so much in the <laughs> podcast that I used to go back through the podcast and edit them out. And if anybody listens really closely, they can hear where I've edited them out because you just hear like a little boop like that, like a little like one thirtieth of an um, you know, something like that. And you know what? Even after I did it, there was a few there was a few that I just thought, oh my goodness, I've spent an hour. I don't have anything, you know, I've spent an hour editing this. I don't have anything left in the tank to edit it because it's so tedious. Yeah. Cutting out those little bits at exactly the right point when the um starts and when it ends. And I just thought, you know what, I'm just gonna put it up now. And if you listen to them, you can still hear there's still quite a few in there. And by the way, those are the post-edited ones, so you can imagine how many there were at the start. <laughs> And it is something I still do it to a degree. Like, I still look back and it's still something that I'm getting better at. And everybody, you can never, 
you can always get better at speaking. There's no upper yeah. limit. There's no upper limit on that whatsoever. So I still listen to them back and there's little things that I critique. But two things happen. One is you care a lot less and two yeah. is you get better. And then there's just that magic point where it reaches where you're just content with it no matter what. And you know you, you'll always get better. You'll always improve. Things will always be on an upward tangent in terms of how well you orate, how well you speak. Therefore, it becomes way less time consuming and way more natural. And by the way, way more fun. It actually yeah. becomes, I look forward to shooting the podcast now. I genuinely enjoy it. I love, uh, you know, meeting the guests, hearing their story, talking to them. I look forward to putting them out. I love it when people message me and they say, oh, I really like this podcast. What did you think about this? It's awesome. It's brilliant. I also wanted to talk just about one tiny little thing that you mentioned there. I don't know if anybody out there is a big fan of Gary V, but I, I've got, do you know who Gary V is? Gary Vaynerchuk. No, he is, I, I, I've, I've got a pen and I've written it down. I, I love taking a, I always write, I always love a good recommendation for anybody. So I've written his name down. Oh, he's awesome. You'll love him. It's all about, I don't think he's everyone's cup of tea. He's this extremely high energy, yeah. motivational coach, businessman from America. And there's a lot of people that would say that he's a bit too intense, but he's like that for reasons because he's extremely successful in what he mm-hmm. does. And he has so many pearls of wisdom that he offers on his podcast, the Gary Vaynerchuk, the Gary V experience, I believe it's called the Gary V audio experience. That's what it is. So Sheila, if you've got any free time when you're in the gym and you want a podcast, listen to 100%. There's so many gems in there about social media, et cetera, how to grow a presence, how to grow your business in the 21st century and just being a good guy as well, just being a good person and how that's not only nice for your personal relationships, but it's also helpful for you as a business brand too. There's lots of stuff in there. But the reason that I brought up Gary V was he was, listen, he was, when you were talking about putting yourself out there on social media, he was always, he was saying that social media, because of, we always tend to think that social media has hit peak mass and is completely saturated with opinions. It is if you try to do what everyone else is already doing. All right. So let's say, for example, you have Kim Kardashian. There's a million people who want to be Kim Kardashian and they post pictures like break the internet. Here is, you know, here is me looking classy and I don't know, wearing these, uh, this dress or all of these things. I don't, I don't know. I don't really know what Kim Kardashian <laughs> Sounds like you're a big uh, Kim Kardashian follower there. Yeah. I might be, uh, as you can tell, I follow her avidly. Yes, indeed. Secret follower. I, I, I'm totally, get, yeah, I really don't even know what it is she posts. But what I'm saying is that let's say, for example, you try to, like with me, investing, right? And crypto, there's loads of investing in crypto pages. But what there's not loads of is an investing in crypto page for dentists. Mm. Okay. Now, the reason why there are big players, there are big companies who have created investing pages and crypto pages and stuff like that so what they're going for they're going for the mass market right they're going for where the majority of people are where the majority of money is but what it's not what they don't do they rarely niche and they rarely do that for two reasons one because it's not worth it to them because it's small potatoes from their perspective when you're talking about massive companies and two because they don't have the ability to resonate with this subsection group of people so if you can find something that speaks to enough people that speaks to maybe even just a thousand people you have enough in there for to create a community and maybe even to create something that could be a viable business further down the line and let's say let's use an example let's say you are someone i'm just making this up as i go along so this might be a terrible example let's say it's Let's say it's glasses and it's glasses for, I don't know, farmers. Okay. And they, they look really cool, but it's only, only farmers find them really cool. Or they have this one specific feature that makes them really useful to farmers. Like you can see your sheep really well. And was that a really bad analogy? I just made that up at the top of my head. You, 
well, you're probably going to attract a load of farmer listeners now. Maybe, maybe. I mean, maybe <laughs> that could be a good business idea. But put it like this. There's no company out there. There's no other business out there that does that. And maybe there's loads of farmers that need these glasses. So to those farmers who need those glasses, you're absolute gold dust, okay? Because they can't get that anywhere else. So you're in a market of one competing against one person. That's you. You have that whole market. You have that whole demographic. It's totally yours. No one else will go there. One, because you'll get big enough to not make it worth their while with not very much time. And two, because in the grander scheme of things to big companies, it's small potatoes. But to an individual, that could easily be enough money to live on, to subsist on, and even do really well on. Even with that number of people, even with that couple thousand people, something really special can happen. And when I heard Gary Vee say that, I was like, oh my goodness, you're so right. Social media has never hit peak saturation because there is limitless opportunities like that. What do you think of that, Sheila? That was just me speaking from the heart. That was all off the cuff. I am... I I was I was listening to the audiobook Atomic Habits um just just yesterday actually and he makes a point of that doesn't he 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 basically says I haven't read it I haven't rich. read that book. Oh you not read it it's amazing no, it's just, no. well I didn't read it I had it as an audiobook um mm. and it re reading he made a point of saying that actually if you are I mean I'm not going to use his cuz I can't remember his exact I'm not, I'm crap at recalling um um no, that's okay that's not a swear word that's fine <laughs> it's still pg it's still pg he's basically saying that if you you know if you want to be great at something it's really difficult to be great at something that you know for example you you know you wanted to be the best basketball player that it's going to be really difficult because there, there's going to be loads of people there but if you keep adding on like complete different unique areas and building in like you know maybe you're a basketball player that you're that, that okay i'm not gonna use a basketball player because i don't even remember the guy that he used the name it's so, such an obvious name that he used but like for example you know if i'm a dentist that then does facial aesthetics really well and um but then there are also that you know i want to be a great dentist there's lots of great dentists i want to do facial aesthetics and you know there's less dentists that do facial aesthetics really well yeah. and now you know i'm starting to research um how i can use dermal fillers in the gums to treat black triangles and I'm going to be amazing at that I'm going to really work at that I'm going to be really good at that because I'm going to provide a non-surgical alternative and I'm going to be awesome at that and there's not that many people doing that and so it's easier for me to be epic at that because there's I'm now competing against probably a couple of other people versus all the dentists in the world so it's kind of like stacking all the things that you're good at good at to then make it your business and be really great in that field and then you can put that on social media because then other people are like you know what? I didn't even know that existed. That is awesome. That now I can start sending and referring patients. You can start referring your patients to me if they have black triangles and they want it treated non-surgically because I can inject a little bit of gum filler in there and just plump it out. <laughs> stacking specialties. You know? that, stacking specialties. That's it. And it's 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 awesome. And I never thought of it that way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to speak to a lot of people who are listening. I'm sure. And that Gary Fee thing, I'd never thought about that. Because what a lot of people do is they tend to go where most the majority, of the, yeah. the majority of attention is, but that's also where the majority of influencers are, people are already. And really it's niching and stacking specialities, like you say, and it's almost counterintuitive in a way. And then, yeah, you might not never get a, a million followers or however many the Kardashians have, but you don't actually need that many to be, to enjoy the benefits of a side hustle or a social yeah. media presence that was awesome thank you so much for sharing that by the way Sheila the, I've never the one thing that, that I would add sorry before you yeah move, far away I would add about social media is I actually do a lot on social media but I don't spend any of my time looking at social media I mean a podcast and things different but like for example Instagram I spend none of my time on it because I actually think it can be quite damaging and you know sometimes you end up in a black hole of you know just I don't think it's real. Um, I think that a lot of stuff on social media isn't real and, you know, it's, it's augmented or, or, or photoshopped. And, you know, I think sometimes it can have a real negative impact on you. And, and it's really important to, to, to talk about that because mental health is a real thing, um, you know, a real issue. And, and I found that a lot of the times when I'm feeling my lowest, that's usually where I tend to go on you know looking through social media thinking that it will make me feel better and actually it just makes me feel worse because it makes me think that 
you know, it makes you, it always makes you feel that, you know, you haven't reached enough, you haven't attained enough, you, you know, you've got the best hair, the best skin, you know, the best skills, you know, you're not doing enough photography, you're not taking the best photographs, you know, you're not, you're, you know, your, your colleagues are so much higher up than where you wanted to be. I took a break to, to have children and that was a horrible spiral for me to just be on social media and be like, I really want these children, but actually, you know what, my career's on hold and that really sucked. And that was really difficult. It was really hard to step away and look at, you know, where I'm at. And you always compare yourself. So I would say it's really good for your mental health to just not spend a lot of your time looking through other people's social media that bring you no positivity. Like you need to take that out of your life and take and get that get that out out of your life. It takes discipline to do that, by the yeah. way. Because it's it's really it's a you're totally right. It's actually hard to do. And I find myself just browsing on Instagram and Facebook way too much. And I don't even want to share publicly what mm. my screen, you know, when your iPhone gives you that Wait. notification about your screen time average daily. I don't even want to share what that was last week, but it was a bit of a wake up call for me. I actually thought to myself, there's, there is not enough. How did I manage to eat and go to the gym and do wow. other things that day? when I spent that many hours on the screen time, it actually puzzled me. So that was a bit of a wake up call for me. But anyway, that's a story for another day. Sheila, it's been wonderful having you on the podcast today. So much wisdom shared, so many exciting things that we've talked about, which will help other people on their side gigs, no doubt. What would you say to anybody who's listening today? We've, we've made a bit of a tradition of wrapping up podcasts and side gigs month by answering this question. What would you say to anybody who's listening today, who's thinking about taking the leap with their respective side gig? What are your words of wisdom on this final question before we wrap up this evening? I would say go for it because um, if you're a dentist, you'll always have that skill and it doesn't, you can always go back to it, but you'll never be able to get that time back and you'll always regret it. If you don't uh, push ahead and have, you know, to t- take that plunge and do that, you know, I would say, go ahead, do it. Uh, and, and if you have to go backwards, you can, there's no shame in doing that, but just try it. And until, until you try it, you will never know. A wise man once said that when you look back over your life, you'll miss the opportunities that you, you'll regret most of the things that you didn't do rather than the things that you did. And that struck a huge chord with me. And it's yeah. definitely been a huge impetus for me to do what I do and try other things. And I'm very lucky that I've, there's been some success somewhere along the line. I'd never say that I'm successful, but certainly it's been fun. It's been a journey. It's been an experience. And yeah, I'm very grateful. Awesome. Sheila, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks have you enjoyed for having yourself? Me. I hope you have. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Sheila, we're going to wrap up now. It's been an absolute pleasure, as I said, to have you on the show. We shall speak again very soon. See you later. See you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly. Please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it. I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated. Please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.